Hey, Lizzie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm good. Before we get into it, I just want to say, because you were one of the first people to comment on my podcast ever. And you had, I, I wanted to read the actual comment here. You had commented on the first episode of What Happened to You. You said, thank you for talking about this issue publicly. I wish I could be as brave as you to share my story like this. And yeah. here you are <laughs> doing, doing just that exactly a year later. So I'm really happy that you are willing to do this. And um, for those of you listening and, and watching, Lizzie and I went to high school together, <laughs> which is super wild. You're the first person to, that I've had on the podcast who has known me since, you know, way back then. I know, it's funny because my mom knows your mom. And she my said mom that, said that she knew your mom, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And I guess we like played together when we were toddlers. Did we really? <laughs> yeah, I was wow. like, oh goodness. Yeah, so it's like too bad that you're never really <laughs> talking until now. It's like crazy and now I'm gonna tell you about <laughs> what happened to me. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty funny. How have you been since high school? <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, because I didn't know what was happening to me. And like only a few years ago, my parents were like, you were molested. So I've been dealing with this in high school. Like, you know, since then, like high school was probably the toughest because, you know, I was older. And so, you know, learning about, you know, <laughs> sexual health in class and talking to my parents and then, you know, learning more about like, you know, abuse and stuff. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I think something happened. I feel like sharing my story might give, you know, my abuser less power. Like instead of having this secrecy of like only talking about it with friends and family, if they ask about it, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. There's a huge amount of power that is taken away from from all victims, it feels like. And you really aren't even aware of it until you get it back. And I think a great way of getting it back is just not being afraid to talk about what happened. And yeah. so I totally agree with you. So you said that it was in high school that you realized that you had been molested. I think so. I mean, I want to say like middle school, maybe I was sensing something, but you know, I, I didn't really know. But yeah, high school, I definitely was like, okay. And then it wasn't till like one of the colleges that I went to, I think, I think because I was studying psychology, we were talking about PTSD um, in one section. And I don't know, something just kind of was like, you know, like it stirs things up again, like, you know, anytime. Um, so then I, I don't know, it, it was really weird how the whole thing got started where my parents were like, wait, what? So I was talking with my brother and my dad was like doing laundry or whatever. And I, I don't know how the conversation got brought up, but my brother was like, why do you get so sensitive when there's ever like a rape scene or anything on TV? And I was like, well, let me pull up my popcorn. My favorite scene's coming up. Like, <laughs> yeah. like no one wants to watch that. So I was like, I think it's because of my trauma and being molested that it just brings it up again. And then my dad turns around, he had glasses on, and he was like, wait, you were molested? <laughs> like, oh. I'll never forget that. And I was like, yeah, you didn't know? <laughs> like, it was really awkward. I'm like, didn't mom tell you? And he's like, what? No. <laughs> and I just kind of was like, 
I guess I'll continue doing laundry now. <laughs> I went upstairs <laughs> and then we had like more of a conversation about it later. But I just thought that was crazy. Like, you know, it was 2016, I think. And, you know, this happened actually when I was around your age, like eight or nine, mm-hmm. um, when the abuse happened and we moved to the island um, in like 2002. And so the island, it was for soon those of you after. Listening is, uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you. It's Bainbridge Island, which is a small island off of the, uh, just a ferry ride away from Seattle. And that's where we went to high school. So the island, as the locals call it. But yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Moved in 2002. And it was soon after that when some neighbors. Um, moved into this house across the street from us. We lived in like a cul-de-sac, actually close to the high school. It's like we had just moved and then that happened. It's like, yay, welcome to Bainbridge. Um, (laughs) You got molested like right after you moved in? Um, Not right after. I mean, we lived in, you know, a rental house as our new one was finishing up. So, you know, school started. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I recall the family moving in, in soon because we were, uh, or at least a sister, we were both in the same grade. So it was Mm. soon after that, um, it kind of just started with like, I guess, inappropriate play, like boundaries didn't seem to be on the radar. And I mean, maybe with kids, that's kind of normal, but he would just get really close and like find me in like, you know, situations where if I was by myself or like his sister left and then it, I don't think it happened right away. I mean, that's kind of the problem. Like I don't have too many, like too many memories of it. I think maybe I blocked some of it out. I just remember that starting and then feelings of being afraid, like, no, don't leave. Oh, sorry. I just said, if you want to just come up with a, a name that you want to call her, we can just, yeah. Hagen yeah. sounds good. I Hagen? was coming okay. up with before. I know it's like hmm, it's a little close, but that's <laughs> yeah. what I can do. Hagen was his yeah. sister. Yeah. I'll call him Brian. Okay. Brian, Brian and Hagen. Hagen. <laughs> And Brian, um, how yeah, much siblings. older was Brian than you than you and Hagen? Well, actually, and this is where like some people are like, oh, weird. Like I was a little bit older than him. I mean, oh, wow. we were in the same grade, but but yeah, I was a little bit older. I'm one of the September babies, so I was kind of always the oldest in my in my grade. Right. But um when we first moved, there weren't a lot of houses in our cul-de-sac. So there was a lot of forest area. And, you know, we would we would play there. Um And so, like, I just remember a few times even, like, being caught in the forest when this was going on. Like, maybe his dad would call or um, her dad would call uh, Hagen home. And I'd be like, no, please don't go because I just kind of had this feeling like, oh, great, I'm going to be alone again. And then he's going to molest me. Yeah. And it even happened in our house. Like, we still have that stupid couch that, where an incident happened on it. And mom's like, oh, I didn't know that's the whole couch. We don't care about it. I'm like, can I burn it, please? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> specific pieces of furniture that, that cause flashbacks. I had the same experience. Right. Like, because I, when I was going to my friend's house, it, there were, like, basically two places that I would get molested. The first was in mm. his room my friend's room where I would sleep Mm. next to the bed. And then there was like this upstairs area where for like big Mm. sleepovers, we would all sleep in that bed together. Just a bunch of kids. I just remember like the, the sheets 
like the mm-hmm. certain color scheme on the sheets like it seems mm-hmm. to be pretty common and sometimes i'll see that and and just mm-hmm. think about it and it's it is wild what causes these things to pop back into our heads and how <laughs> just as a couch or a bed or a sheet whatever it is right. i wonder if it's because part of it is like trying to block out what happened and just like let me think about other things that were going on around uh, while that was happening yeah. instead of the actual thing it could i mean who knows <laughs> but it, it's pretty fascinating yeah it's it's weird how trauma works like you know sometimes i'm like why do i want to remember this like <laughs> i didn't remember it and now something happens like summer is just i i hate summer so much the, um because the that's when the abuse <laughs> yes the season i have seasonal triggers now i didn't realize mm. this i think it was like end of spring toward like summer when it happened because i remember um, and I was talking to a therapist about certain things, like, cause I had noticed a pattern in my journals cause I keep journals very nice. much since I was little. Um, and I noticed a pattern that whenever it was summer, I would just feel, you know, awful. My anxiety levels would, would go up and I didn't know why. And my mom's like, well, you know, school's coming up again. But I was like, yeah, but I'm not that stressed about school. So it wasn't till like talking to her that I actually discovered that. So now I think the only thing that helps is just being prepared, like just knowing, okay, this is why, but yeah, I just, I'm, I look forward to fall. I'm like, please, please be over. <laughs> Friends come see me or something. so I can distract myself. Right. Um, it's just crazy. It's like Brian brought another kid into it in our neighborhood, another next door. Um, I'll just call him Rick. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I, I don't know. But so I, don't, brought, I don't know why that kid would feel like, oh, yeah, this is fun. Like, he'll join you. So he but, brought, they both, they both molested you? No, he was just kind of there and watched. But, like, I remember wow. the first time I said something to my parents was he showed me his, you know, and we were eating yeah. hot dogs of all things, and that made me think <laughs> of it. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, she called his mom and probably yeah. earful. Um, one time, like, I kind of, like, remembered it, but I guess, like, I kind of, like, hit him or something, like, got an altercation. Rick, sorry. Rick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That um, <laughs> and then I was like, well, I don't remember getting in trouble for that. And mom was like, yeah, I got a call. But I was like, well, she hit him. She had a reason. <laughs> I was like, yep, yeah. that's my mom. <laughs> um, I think he probably punched me in the face back or whatever. Yeah. But it was just weird that I never like kind of defended myself that way to Brian. And maybe that's because he was just there, like just like hanging out. But, and that was only a few times, but it's just like, it felt more menacing, you know, more threatening. Like, oh, I you bet. Know. yeah. At like one point I just got numb to it. I was like, okay, take my clothes off and you know, yeah. that's what's going to happen. And maybe it won't last as long. Um, oh, that's and that like became the, hard because then I was worried like, okay, is it my fault? Because it was just like, <laughs> here, <laughs> um, sorry. Yeah. no, I completely understand. It's like, I feel like a lot of the victim mindset and thought process revolves around blaming yourself. And like yeah. every, every time that you don't, speak up it feels like it just gets harder and harder to speak up because it's like well why didn't i say something before 
And now it's like, I'm basically, I didn't say that I didn't like this. So I guess they think that I'm cool with it. And, and it's just a pretty vicious cycle that oftentimes just leads to not never speaking up. But I can also imagine how hard that would have been to have somebody watching, almost normalizing it, uh, feeling like that it's like, and that's probably why Brian wanted him to be there is because it made it seem less crazy. And yeah, that I'm glad that you uh, hit him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know when it stopped. Like, I don't know how long it went on for. Like I said, I just have like some memories into it, but, um, or like glimpses, but I do like I remember when I was talking with the therapist recently I have forgotten that like one time I got a knife and I just like threatened both of them basically mm-hmm. um and she's like oh I love that story like see you you know realize something's wrong and like you know you stood up for yourself but yeah and then I think I was worried that I would get in trouble. Like they would run off to their families and be like, Hey, she had a knife and I was like, I'll kill you or something. Um, And mom was like, no, I never heard anything about that. And she was like, probably because they knew they were doing something wrong and they didn't want to, you know? So I was like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many reasons why victims don't speak up. And it's a very common one seems to be self blame and, we, especially when we're reflecting on these things, when we're older, it's like with adult mindsets, we, we think about how stupid we were. How did I not speak up? And it's, it's just unfair to yourself to expect you to have behaved in the way that seems so obvious to behave now. I was scared to like tell people about or like open up because, you know, we were kids mm-hmm. and you so know, child on child, like, child on child molestation. And like a lot of a adults kind of think oh kids are just being kids or whatever like that old yeah what a ridiculous explanation it's like what the fuck (laughs) and I was a little older so I was just like really worried I was like oh they're probably not gonna believe me Mm -hmm. um but yeah so then I don't know like I just have a memory of like in like a few instances instances where it was happening like in the forest on the couch it even happened like at a, their house in the um the driveway but my dad actually came so he kind of like that interrupted whatever was going to happen so I was like oh, thank you mm-hmm. um but it's just surprising that like no one knew anything because I think I told my cousin she was like yeah I knew about this and like some of my friends and I was like how mo- how do my parents not know you told your cousin and she had, she already knew what had happened to you oh sorry no like I had told her so she knew about it oh, at oh, that oh. age yeah so maybe she just didn't tell my parents because they're like well maybe they know or maybe it's not my place but I just mm. thought that like somewhere down the road like especially mentioning things because I swear I've like talked about it before but I don't know I feel like as victims we sort of leave little breadcrumb trails like you sort of subconsciously want people to find out about it even if you don't have the tools to express and and describe what happened to you like i remember telling uh my friend did you know tom jorza yeah yeah so he was he was uh he's still you know a good friend of mine obviously he had that tragic accident i don't know Um, that was really like sad to hear about that yeah yeah and um he's still able to communicate via his ipad and for those Mm -hmm. of you listening yeah tom 
um, <laughs> fell off of a three-story porch and fell and was paralyzed severely. And um, Tom was actually one of my first friends ever. And while the molestation was going on, I probably told him when I was about nine. He was the only person that I had told and I made him swear to not tell anybody about it. Um, and he never did, uh, obviously, until we went to trial. But it was interesting, like, while it was going on, I wanted to tell somebody about this, but I didn't want to experience any of the feelings that we were talking about earlier, like that might have, you know, telling your parents is a totally different experience than telling another kid some somebody that one of your friends or and it's something to keep keep you know take into account when analyzing molestation cases in the future is it's like i feel like kids are oftentimes trying to get the word out and and they don't know how but that often manifests itself in like just telling our friends so you happen to tell your cousin and you said there were other people as well um, yeah, some, well, another next door neighbor That's when the, the family moved out, um, and we're still close friends today, but I told her what happened. She believed me just because everyone else in the cul-de-sac, we kind of like, we were all, I guess, like our families kind of became close and all, you know, all of us kids would play together, but, um, yeah, no one really believed me or I just didn't tell them because I just figured they went in. I think I tried to warn one of the kids' younger sister through like chat or something. I told her about what happened to me and I was like, stay away from him because wow. she was four years younger than me. But to this day, I see posts on Facebook saying, you're a great brother. And I was like, what the but I'm like, okay, whatever. Maybe they found out and don't want to believe it, which is like I was telling my dad about what you said about some parents still sending their kids to their house. And he's like, God, if I just, you know, precaution for safety, I wouldn't send them there just in case. Of course. You know, he was just shocked. Like, what the heck? It seems um, like such a no-brainer to not send yeah. over to somebody's house like that. Or like, you know, yeah. at the very least, you can still hang out with the kid and just have him come yeah. to your house. House, but there were yeah. a number of families that were still mm. I mean people just people just really don't want to believe that their friend could do something like that for this is from the mm. parents perspective they'd never want to believe that somebody that they've been hanging out with and have trusted and a lot of them had already let their kids go over there and they don't mm. want to think that they have subjected their kids to potential molestation by allowing them to get over there go over there it's always like people will jump through pretty amazing amounts of hoops to not see what is so obviously what's been going on. And um, I think it does come down to a lack of education about how these things happen and how common it is and how it's like, you know, for example, on Bainbridge, like I didn't really know anybody at the time uh, or even in high school while it was going on, I never heard about any other molestation cases. And for some reason, mine was like super publicized. Like there were a bunch of articles <laughs> written about it and shit. And maybe that's just because it was a big story for Bainbridge. Obviously it's a really <laughs> like people eat that shit up, but um, it's despite there not being any other 
very public cases, there, I have no doubt that it was going on a lot to a, a lot of people. And I think if people were more aware of how common it is, they'd be much more willing to accept the fact that somebody that they know and care about would be capable of doing something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't, I don't know why. I'm like, I don't care if I know them well. They're not perfect people. Anyone can do something dark. So I don't totally. know. This is crazy. But When you told your parents for the first time, how did that feel? Well, for a, like a while, I was kind of thinking, did I make this up in my head just because my memories weren't clear? Like I started telling myself all those things that, you know, people usually, you know, say like, oh, you don't remember every single last detail. So it must have not happened. <laughs> um, or, oh, the, you were a little bit older. It was just a kid. You know, that's just what kids do, you know, that kind of thing. So I just started thinking like, you know, was I molested? And, and my therapist was like, yeah, that's just, you know, something people go through, like, you know, telling themselves, like, maybe trying to figure out, like, why it happened or blaming yourself and, like, it's perfectly normal. But for a while, I was just like, did I make it up? Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy that trauma can do that to you, too, and make you think, yeah, maybe it didn't happen. Mm. <laughs> maybe it's all in your head, but it's like, why would you make something up like that? in your head but yeah. also why would people think you would lie about that it's like oh yeah that's a wonderful lie i want to tell people like oh i got <laughs> you know yeah. why would anyone make that up it's just crazy. i totally agree with you that was what was so fascinating to me about going to trial is like you know it was a hung jury so six people thought said that he would he was guilty and six people said that he wasn't and I, i've always been fascinated just as you said like why would I make that up? Like, what could that guy have done to me to make me make that up other than what he did? There's, he's, he, what, like, if he took away my fucking GameCube, I'm not going to say he touched my <laughs> dick for two years. You know what I mean? Like, it makes no sense. And, like, also at that age, it's, you know, kids are not capable of these diabolical, malicious lies to ruin their f best friend's dad, in my experience experience their lives like they have no reason to do this and and yet people will find a way to doubt the victims there will always be people that that do that and it's like this probably happened like 20 30 40 i have no idea how many times but they expect you to recall the details perfectly and yeah. adults can't do that let alone children and it's a huge problem with our legal system i think is the way we handle these these cases but um, I was just curious, like when you when you did tell your parents, like what was that initial feeling like? Well, with my mom, and I can't remember exactly, but it sounded like I um, misunderstood what she was saying because I thought she was, you know, saying all these things like, oh, well, you must have like made this up in your head, or mm. you know, you were a kid, but like she didn't say those things, <laughs> so it was almost <laughs> like just jumping to the conclusion that maybe she wouldn't believe me. So I was just kind of what nervous for my happen. parent. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird how, how you do that, the conversation. Um, Cause then she's like, what, why would you think I'd say that you're making me sound like a bad mother? <laughs> like, yeah. And then she got upset. And like, of course. Uh, 
there's a lot of parental regret associated with these things too. Like, cause every parent blames themselves for, and it's, it's so easy once you know that your kid was molested mm-hmm. to reflect on all of these signs that become obvious once you know what was going on. But at the time it's like, you know, spreading awareness about this topic and just allowing parents to be more aware that statistically it's like, you know, one in five kids get molested. It's totally possible that it happened to your kid. And like knowing that this is a possibility, it doesn't mean that you can't let them have sleepovers or they can't, you know, trust adults or anything, but it's just like being aware and then not surprised. And then knowing how to respond if you do find out that your kid was molested. And most parents, have no idea about this stuff. It's just not common knowledge. And for the rate at which kids are getting molested, it should be. (laughs) It's crazy that it isn't. Did you want to take any sort of legal action at all? Or was it just sort of? Well, the problem with that is, is, you know, it happened so long ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they did move away eventually. So it's like, what could happen? But the closest thing that maybe I had to getting some sort of justice was in high school, actually, when I met a friend and we became pretty close. And then she told me that he was raping her like multiple times. So that brought everything up. I was like, fuck. And, you know, I remember talking to my counselor at the time, just because, you know, he was still, on the island like I don't want to have any classes with him like that was my closest thing to a restraining order um (laughs) and then one time I was accidentally put in a class with him and I did get transferred out but that was around like you know when she told me what happened I just he was probably like okay she's giving me the death stare because I just remember like after she told me that I was just like forget about whatever my teacher was saying I was just like what the fuck and I just couldn't stand looking at him anymore so I like tore out there I forgot my phone I didn't care um and I went to the counselor to talk to him about what happened and maybe she was upset with me at first for going to someone but I think just because of the trauma that happened with me like maybe if I could you know help her get some justice for me and help me somehow but I don't think anything happened. She said that the cops came and talked to her at the school, which seems a little like maybe a more private setting, but okay. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. Let's I talk just in the can't same believe he couldn't the, get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I just couldn't believe that they didn't have enough evidence or anything to, to get him in trouble. But yeah, so that kind of sucked and then I don't know, just things carried on from there. But I remember the closest like the other closest time I had to maybe something happening, like people finding out was actually eighth grade when I, my mom told me it was a bad idea. <laughs> she was like, I told you so. No, um, but in hindsight, but I just, because I was still friends with Hagen, I was like, well, she never did anything to me. So that was just, that was tough. The fact that I just had to you know, deal with him. Like, you know, he was still across the street from us and they did move away. And I think I visited Hagen a few times at their new house, but, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so they invited me. Yeah. He would be there and nothing happened. Like he 
he did stop. I can't remember when. In my mind, it was when I had the knife and I threatened them. <laughs> and maybe that's a nice way to think of it. Like, and yeah. then they stopped, but I don't right. know. But um, so they invited me on a camping trip. And when I say camping trip, it was a trailer park, but um, not really camping in my mind. But um, anyway, yeah. so they invited me and I went. Mom didn't like it, but she was like, okay. Um, and then one night, um, like Hank and I were staying up and I think Ryan was up too and we we're just kind of chatting and then at one point uh Hagen fell asleep and we were like on a pull-out bed together and then I think Brian was sleeping on like the couch the like table area in the trailer and then the parents were asleep you know in their own room mm-hmm. and um we were kind of chatting and I thought things were okay but then and i like how this is how things were brought on we were talking about transformers for some reason and then megan fox and you know she's like you know attractive looking woman so then Mm -hmm. for some reason i guess that made him horny i don't know at one point he was like what is the size of your bra (laughs) like you know your breast size basically yeah and i just a part of me like froze and remembered the trauma that happened Mm. with him and was like okay just answer his questions and maybe it will end because that's kind of like what i did i just kind of like accepted it and was like okay maybe he won't hurt me um so then i told him and i was like getting really nervous you know and just like kind of like getting scared but at least she was sleeping next to me so i was like okay maybe things are okay but then he was basically like um i'll touch your breasts if you rub my dick or something and i was like okay that's that's enough and i was like please go to bed let's stop talking about this and then i just went to sleep and like i think i like cried myself to sleep or something um and then in the morning what was so weird is that the parents were like we heard you like you know up talking late last night and i was like a part of me was thinking what if you heard what he asked me why didn't you do anything yeah um but i wasn't sure and then a part of me wanted to tell hagen but i was you know kind of scared about like her reaction what would happen but i told her anyway and then of course she spent the whole morning trying to get him to tell her what happened i'm like he's not gonna like probably tell you what happened oh yeah Yeah. um so that was (laughs) you know getting me nervous because i was like oh great she's probably gonna believe him you know it's her brother so then later when i was hanging out with my other friend because you know this was when they left so the new family was in their house but i told her about it and then i guess she had a sleepover with hagen and she told me that when hagen talked to her mom about it she's like oh she's probably a toxic friend and made it up and you should stay away from her i was like oh great i'm like why would i make that up but i mean i know that wasn't abuse or anything but i was just hoping like something would happen but then because now it's like she didn't believe me like it just became this whole thing and i was like oh great and I think he Brian had emailed me saying like please don't tell my parents or something but I had deleted it and mom's like oh do you still have that email and I was like oh shit I deleted it Mm -hmm. um which is totally reasonable by the way so um I don't know my parents talked to her parents of course and nothing really happened with that but we didn't hang out with them anymore at that point but I remember one time because Hagen was still in high school. So I had a class with her and I, for some reason was still chatting with her. I mean, 
we weren't close friends or anything but but anyway we were at the swimming pool one time and uh she told me that she didn't want proof so part of me like like thought that she did believe me she just wanted to ignore it and then i remember one time and i don't know if it's true or not because you know on all over social media everyone just seems happy the family he's married now he looks like he brian is i don't know found zen or something yeah Brian. um then i was like oh bless her soul um but um yeah, it was just like, how are they one big happy family? But whatever. Yeah, well, that's what just was the, I saying? The uh, toxicity of social media in general is right. that like everybody tries to put on this this front, and it just makes everybody else feel bad. <laughs> and it's like it doesn't even doesn't even feel real most of the time. I get why people don't want to believe that somebody, especially like their brother or their dad, whatever it is, you never want to believe that that person could do mm-hmm. something like this, especially to your friend. Not wanting proof is that's when you really know that the person probably believes you. So it's in a way comforting, <laughs> but it's also so confusing. And just like, you know, the fact that he went on to rape your other friend multiple times, it's like, perpetrators can start at any age just as evidence here i mean this dude started when he was what eight younger (laughs) and these types of things if they're not addressed and treated it just they're not they're not going to stop doing it it's very unfortunate that people tend to be repeat offenders but it's also (laughs) so great that you were still able to when you were talking to your friend about what happened to her be like yo fucking me too like you're not alone it's the the feeling of not being alone is so invaluable in these situations and especially when you're going through it like while it's happening and because of the nature of the topic how it's so uh, you know hush hush and people it just makes people feel weird and gross and nobody wants to think about kids getting molested and i get that but um it's because of our how society handles and reacts to these kinds of conversations and topics it's part of why it's such a problem so i think that despite everything that happened it's really great that you are able to talk about it now and um (laughs) yeah whatever ended up happening with um with your friend the the Um, raped well i i mean she didn't talk much about like what happened after other than like he didn't get in trouble but we were still friends I think she's doing all right today. She got married recently. We kind of like lost touch because, you know, going off to college and stuff. But yeah, but yeah, I just remember it being really hard though because it brought things up and, you know, it was just kind of like coming to terms with it. I don't know how I got through high school, to be honest. <laughs> I like, it was just really difficult. I was really thankful for like one of my really close friends for just being there th- kind of through it all with me. Yeah. But, um, I just pretty much, I didn't want to like do anything public. I didn't want to join any clubs. I just kind of like stayed away, kept my head down. I called myself a floater because I wouldn't hang with one click. I would just like kind of make friends with different people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know if that was just a way of like protecting myself or something, just like not wanting to, yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, Bainbridge is also so clicky. I think it's got to be one of the <laughs> clickiest places. In the world. Yeah. Um, so it sure. could be. I think being a floater is definitely <laughs> not a bad play in that in that scenario. But you made it out. You know. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy about like all. You know, we were kind of talking about this earlier, but like this was all happening just underneath everyone's noses like all your experience my experience i mean these mm-hmm. these things are so common bainbridge high school is like i don't know 1300 people 1400 people like and this is a global problem and it's been going on for thousands of years <laughs> like people just aren't talking about it it's really crazy i always am interested in like the feelings that are associated with with speaking up that's why i was asking you about telling your parents and stuff and and because when I spoke up for the first time, it was like a crazy release of after yeah. after my mom asked me about what was happening. And um, it seems to be like in any form that you are able to talk about it, just getting it off your chest really can <laughs> just it just feels really good. And a lot of people go their whole lives without ever saying anything. And I think it's just awesome that a year ago you, you said that you wanted to share your story. <laughs> it's like, here you are, you know? Like that's, and also like your comment was so encouraging to me because it's like, oh, you know, that's exactly what I, I was hoping this would turn into. It's inspiring for other people to see what you're doing too. I think that the majority of people are in the situation that you were in last year. People want to talk about this stuff. It doesn't have to be this thing that you can't talk about. It's like, not only can you talk about it, but you can really help people. You can save people literally just by sharing your story. And it comes back to the feeling of not being alone. Like, for example, if we had been in high school and you were like, if I knew like, you know, eight other kids that had been molested, it would have been like, yo, like, it's a little, little club. Start a club. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You said you weren't joining clubs, but we could have, we could have been in that one. Yeah. That would have been fun. Well, but, uh, I mean, that's a lie. I was in a club, but no one ended up showing up anymore. It was an art club. So it was just a club of one, but <laughs> I don't think that counts. So. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember like at one point, Hagen came up to me and she was like, oh yeah, I have proof that he's been doing this to other girls. And I was like, shit. Um, and then she was trying to tell her parents about it and they basically wouldn't have it. They didn't believe her. And I'm just like, what? No like shit. she's giving you proof. And oh you're like, God. no. <laughs> so I was like, their family screwed up. I mean, she did, the mom like divorced her husband because I remember my parents didn't really like hanging out with them because like, you know, the father would yell aggressively and I think he hit them too. And they didn't agree with that. Mm -hmm. So they were never very close. So I was thinking, I was just trying to come up with reasons like why Brian would behave this way. Like what made him, I don't know, (laughs) be an abuser, but I don't know. I remember one time it was really weird. Like the cops came to our door and they're like, have you seen Brian? And we're like, no. And I guess he slid his wrist or something. So maybe he was going through some stuff. I mean, that doesn't excuse his behavior at all, but I don't know, just trying to figure things out. But I guess the parents' reaction to that was grounding him. So that goes to show what kind of parents (laughs) they are. Um, (laughs) Like, what's and so Hagen had evidence of this happening and she tried to tell her parents I mean parents, that's what she told me I don't know if she made right. this up or anything but right 
Well, yeah, I just thought that was crazy to me. <laughs> that is crazy. And I mean, how much more proof could you get to be like, hello, wake up. <laughs> and this is like, this is the expression that we used was sticking your head in the sand, like an ostrich and just like yeah. blatantly ignoring was so obvious. And you know, especially coming from your kid, your kid yeah. is telling you that your other kid is raping girls. Like your inability to acknowledge this stuff is, is, endangering other people's children and your own yeah. children like who's to say yeah. this wasn't happening to hagen you know what i mean yeah. like it's very possible <laughs> oh, it's and, true i never thought of that yeah and of course it's a very extremely difficult position to be in as a parent but it's like i i like to think that p the people that are committing these crimes have the ability to fix themselves not necessarily on their own but i like to think that for example maybe if brian had been if his parents had taken action and done something at any of these opportunities, it seems like they had a lot to fucking <laughs> intervene, but especially with younger kids, you know, it's like you're not fully developed yet. And there has to be a way to treat these people And the war. The absolute worst thing to do is to not acknowledge the problem. And yet that is the basic reaction that so many people have when they're someone in their family or whoever that they care about is accused of something like this. I would say it's extremely likely that Brian continues to molest kids. And if not, you know, abusing his wife, you know, there's all things that he, all sorts of things that he could be doing because he was never told, even if maybe he knew that it was wrong, he was never told other than, you know, you threatening to stab him with a knife. That probably, that definitely helped, helped somewhat, but I think his parents intervening could have really done a lot. And it's very unfortunate that they didn't do anything. It's, it's easy to just, be, you know, go around blaming, ah, this person should have done this, yada, yada, yada. But like, you know, at the end of the day, you can really only take responsibility for yourself. And sure. you spoke up and that's like, you know, the best thing that you can do. And, you know, you can't be responsible for how other people react to these things. You can't blame yourself for how your pa how parents react, how your friends react, anything. All you can do is, is really say what happened to you and hope that people resonate with it. And I, you know, I've <laughs> resonated with your story a lot. And obviously we grew up in the same place, so it has that added bit of weight to it. But, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm proud of you. And, oh, and I, re I really think that it's awesome that you, that you felt like you could talk about this publicly. And um, I have no doubt that it'll help a lot of people. Yeah, I just wanted to say like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this sounds weird or anything, but it's just like sh shocking to me at first when it's like, oh, a guy wants to talk about this stuff. Because usually it's women that lead these kinds of things, you know, like, you know, molestation workshops or you know sexual abuse and all that yeah. so i just thought it was really cool like i didn't think i would ever talk to a man about oh let me <laughs> share my story so, yeah yeah for sure i just thought that was cool Thank you. <laughs> but yeah i was also sorry to hear that happened to you because i just like didn't expect that it just seemed like people on Bainbridge had pretty good <laughs> privileged lives and, yeah. and i thought i was alone in it so until my friend told me about brian raping herself so. yeah you know, it's just crazy how many people have like come forward that like didn't even yeah wouldn't have guessed it <laughs> and how many people have yet to come forward i mean yeah. you know, statistically 
one in five people on Bainbridge got molested. It's like, it's really, the numbers are absolutely <laughs> insane. But I, I agree with you. There's definitely, I mean, there's a stigma associated with all victims talking about this kind of stuff. It's just the topic itself. But definitely with guys, there seems to be an additional sort of fear for all sorts of reasons. I mean, people just don't really expect it. Yeah, no, yeah, a lot of male abuse happens, especially in the military. Like, I remember learning a lot about this in psychology. And usually the reason why men don't want to come forward about the abuse is because of, you know, this toxic notion of what a man is, like masculinity and right. our society. And so they fear that if they come forward, they're not a man or they're weak or something. Right. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, why would you? let this happens like uh excuse me (laughs) (laughs) being raped in the ass i can't do anything about it (laughs) yeah i agree a lot of there have been a lot of comments like from people that are you know presumably one in five people seeing this were also around somebody who they cared about who was accused of this and probably didn't want to believe it people that are not necessarily educated on the topic that are commenting being like, why would you keep going over there for two years? Which is a totally (laughs) fair question if you don't understand what's happening. And like, I I think it's important to give people the benefit of the doubt with these types of things, because, you know, a lot of people have had no exposure to it. And I have no, I, I would have no idea why a kid would keep subjecting themselves to that kind of a thing without understanding the dynamics of molestation. So it's actually very interesting to see how people process it. And like, that was one of the, one of the questions was like, just why did you let it go on for so long? And, and also like, <laughs> yeah, it was just a crazy question. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like yeah, so sign much. me up for another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many reasons. Like, obviously I didn't want to lose my friend. I thought that people would think that I was gay. You know, you mm-hmm. talk about, why why dudes don't say things and and the sort of yeah that's crazy that's like you're gay because (laughs) yeah well it's like you know you just don't you're not thinking straight and the way kids brains value things is just totally warped you know it's it's everywhere and we can really make an impact on preventing this from happening in the future And I think it just starts with people being honest and willing to talk about what happened to them, regardless of what it is. And just knowing that like, there are thousands of people that have been through the exact same thing that you've been through, even though it seems like so unfathomable, it's like, it really is that crazy of numbers. So we're not alone. If you could give advice to people that have been through something similar, what would you say? I would say, try to hang in there and, Therapy is really healing. I know not everyone likes going to therapy, for, but for me, that really helped. And also just having like a close knit of friends and family that are really, they're really close to, and that can be really helpful. <laughs> Definitely. This has really, really been great. Thank you for, for being a part of this. And uh, it's, oh, thanks. <laughs> it's cool, like, <laughs> you know, I just didn't expect to be talking to somebody from Bainbridge about this stuff. <laughs> so, I'm so glad that you commented on the video a year ago and now we're uh, able to do an episode together. It's really yeah. dope. So, yeah, it's cool. Being a part of this. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Definitely very therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> glad to hear it. That's part of the goal. So that's that's really great to hear. All the best with everything. Me too. <laughs> Sounds All right. Good. Peace out. See you later. Peace. <laughs>